The Falcons admit their mistake by cutting Jalen Mayfield, but what's next? How do they fix their current offensive line depth concerns? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, your very humble host. Covered the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP. You may also know me as Sirius Black and Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew. But you can become one of my friends by subscribing and listening to this podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, you know, becoming an everydayer and make us your first listen each and every day. So today's episode as your first listen is going to be about the four cuts that we made on Saturday or really about one particular cut that we made on Saturday. And if you missed that news, the Falcons cut guard slash tackle Jalen Mayfield, defensive tackle Justin Ellis, defensive end Delonte Scott and cornerback Bless Austin. And sorry to Justin Ellis, Delonte Scott and Bless Austin. Not going to spend much of any time talking about you on today's episode, but we will talk quite a bit about Jalen Mayfield. But I believe the Falcons probably cut those four guys on Saturday ahead of the Tuesday, August 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline to get down to the 53-man roster because they probably don't intend to bring any of those guys back to the practice squad and thus want to give those guys potentially a head start to land elsewhere. But we'll see how that goes. But, you know, obviously Mayfield is the most notable name here, of course. Uh, and, you know, the Falcons deserve faint praise, if you ask me, for recognizing, finally recognizing the quote unquote mistake that was drafting Jalen Mayfield in round three of that 2021 draft. And we talked about Jar- we talked about this with Jarvis Davis last week on the postcast or the pregame show. I can't remember which one it was. They all blur together. But we talked about how the old regime led by former general manager Thomas Dimitrov too often doubled and tripled down on players. Vic Beasley being the prime example of that, hoping that they could get something out of their quote unquote sunk cost investments and we talked about how we wanted to see terry fontenot be like someone who he named as a role model which is former ravens general manager ozzy newsom who we've talked about in the past as you know being good at recognizing when they make mistakes and being able to move off of those mistakes so i think you know terry fontenot and company deserve a golf clap for doing the thing uh but I hope you can understand why i'm not necessarily or hopefully by the end of today's episode you will understand why i'm not I'm waiting to give them some sort of standing ovation that maybe others will be a lot more willing to do. Right. Because, you know, I I felt like the selection of Jalen Mayfield was a mistake from the jump. And I also feel like every decision that this team made up until this past Saturday involving Jalen Mayfield was kind of the wrong decision. Right. Uh, And I feel like they did everything in their power to kind of set him up to fail. And, you know, I I know some of the stuff I'm going to say on today's episode will be, People being like, oh, Aaron, you just it's all about your ego and, and you're just only talking about how much smarter you are than everybody else, which, you know, I don't really get why I get that criticism in the comments and elsewhere, because every time at the beginning of this episode, like I, I tell you guys how humble a podcast host I am. 
And, you know, since I never say anything that's wrong, like, I don't know why people assume I have this massive ego when I tell you that I'm humble. But uh, that aside, you know, when we go back to the mistakes that were made, like, you know, as we talked about on this podcast back in May of 2021, that the Falcon put a square peg in a round hole for, as far as a scheme fit went. And then asking Jalen Mayfield to p- switch positions was not the problem going from right tackle at Michigan to a left guard in the pros. The problem was that the Falcons needed a plug and play starter and not a project like Jalen Mayfield was, um, you know, given that they had a ticking clock on Matt Ryan. And then the Falcons, I think only exacerbated those issues by spending half of that summer leading up to that season, asking Jalen Mayfield to play right tackle due to injuries at that position, rather than, you know, playing the left guard position that they were going to wind up developing. And then that fast forward to day one of this year's training camp where we found out, okay, I guess Jalen Mayfield is permanently going to play, move back to right tackle. Um, and you heard me on this podcast saying, you know, like that's not going to help his chance of sticking. In fact, that's probably going to hurt his chances of sticking, right? And you were also heard on this podcast after the quote-unquote good game that he had against Miami, at least according to some people, that that performance, that positive performance, as so many people termed it, was essentially a mirage, right? And basically everybody that was sitting here telling you that Jalen Mayfield has improved uh, you know, after that Miami game is basically just outing themselves as people that don't really understand offensive line play. But that being said, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the Falcons that, you know, after doing all the wrong things for the last two years, they finally did the right thing. Uh, but to me, the real right thing, you know, cutting Jalen Mayfield is, you know, not the end all be all. The real right thing is fixing the offensive line. Right. Uh, you know, in the past, this time last year, we were worried about our five starters. Now we're worried about, you know, who are going to be our three or four backups, right? And so, again, to Terry and them, you know, I'm glad that you now know that you messed up. But, you know, I may be dating myself with this reference, but knowing is half the battle. Um, and, you know, to me, the analogy I would use is like you, you have this leaky pipe. You call a plumber to fix it. They come and do some stuff, but they don't really fix the leaky pipe. And then you call them back and they come by and like, oh, yeah, we didn't we didn't fix that pipe last time. And it's like, yeah. We all know, no duh, right? So fix it. Like that's really the issue. So, you know, you're not going to get too much praise from me until you actually go and fix the the issues. And right now that's the offensive line depth. And we'll talk about why that's important that the Falcons offensive line depth um, is, you know, something that the Falcons can feel reasonably confident about because there's a high probability that if it's not, you know, if that is a weakness, that will get exposed and we'll break all of that down, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, guys, it is August, which means it's fantasy draft season and underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football because it is the best place to play best ball. Now, if you're a longtime fantasy owner, you experience uh, the frustration that is, you know, you, you bench a player and he goes off that week and you start a player and he completely fizzles. Uh, and that won't happen with best ball. And if you're new to fantasy, I think best ball is the best way to get into it. It's one draft. There's no waivers. There's no traits. There's no maintenance or management. Underdog is going to set your best lineup each and every week. So the best way to try it out is with underdogs, best ball mania tournament. It's the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back. It's bigger than ever. Uh, $15 million of total prizes up to grabs up for grabs. And it includes an absurd $3 million prize going to the winner. And, all you got to do to enter is visit underdogfantasy.com and find them in the app store. And you can also sign up with the co- promo code locked on uh, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. 
So as I said, I think fixing the offensive line is very important, right? And it's important to me and it should be important for you. Hopefully by the end of the day, you'll understand, right? Um, so if you've listened to this podcast over the last two years, you, you probably also understand that if we're putting a Venn diagram, right? And one circle is my attitude, positive, negative, uh, you know, towards the Atlanta Falcons. And the other circle is the quality of the Falcons offensive line play. That Venn diagram, there's a lot of overlap in between those two circles, right? Uh, and, you know, I've been more positive about the Falcons over the last, you know, let's say six months than I have probably <laughs> over the last six years. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of that is owed to the improvement of the offensive line from a year ago. Um, a lot of that is owed to the investments that the Falcons have made to the defensive line this offseason. And I feel like the Falcons are now at a point where they can kind of kick butt in the trenches. Uh, and it's been a while since I've been able to say that about a Falcons team. Right. You know, I think the last time I was able to say that was back in 2017 when they last make the playoffs. And I don't think that's a coincidence, guys, that those two points kind of cross paths there. But, um, you know, I do think the offensive line depth or lack thereof is a potential Achilles heel that could be exposed this year. Right. I feel really good about the Falcons five starters up front on the offensive line. I, no, I feel pretty good about at least three of the Falcons defensive line starters. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much of your time, you know, raging about you know is bud dupree gonna play 60 percent of the snaps or more I'm like, like i don't feel great about that but we'll save that conversation for a later day I'm, I'm sure i'll be able to complain about that next week or something like that but you know i i do like our starting five up front on the offensive line we'll focus mostly on the offensive line today um you know i feel like that's a unit that can potentially be a top 10 unit right if they were arguably a top 10 unit last year because they had arguably the best uh, run blocking line in, in the league last year and by years in i think they were an above average pass blocking unit uh, and so I think you combine those two elements and you potentially get a top five, top 10 type of unit, um, you know, and while there's a lot of diverging opinions on how good a quarterback Desmond Ritter is and, and has the potential to be, I think everybody would agree that the Falcons are not built to be a team where regardless of what you think of the quarterback, that any quarterback, or no, I wouldn't say any quarterback, but you know, any quarterback that's going to play football for the Atlanta Falcons that they're going to win games with that guy throwing the ball 40 plus times a game, right? Their, their identity, their foundation, their success hinges on an elite rushing attack um, and building off of that. Right. And you're not going to get an elite rushing attack if the offensive line isn't performing well. And, you know, whatever we think the passing game is going to be, you need that offensive line to protect the quarterback. Right. And we saw this coaching staff kind of scheme around their concerns about the offensive line's ability to protect the quarterback in the first half of 2022, uh, and, and that was a limiting factor on their passing game, um, you know, and then we spent the entirety of the second half of the season talking about their, their need to evolve beyond that. And going back to the, the first half of the season, like I, I know a lot of conversation then was about the limit or in the last six months, especially has been about the limitations of the quarterback holding back the offense. But I, I honestly think at least in the first eight games of the season, it was more about the offensive line. That was a bigger hurdle for this team to overcome. Now, I would say after that point, you know, the next four or five games, then you would probably say the quarterback was probably the, the biggest thing holding the, the team back at that point. But, um, you know, I do think the offensive line, you know, it's easy to say, but I, I don't think it's, it's makes it false to say that this team kind of goes where their offensive line goes. And if there is any sort of potential regression this year, you know, that's going to be a big problem for this football team, right. Moving forward. So um, we, we cannot have this team, you know, devolving or, or regressing can't do it now it's been a while since i've been able to use coach singletary soundbite on the podcast so i had an itchy trigger finger and it, i figured out it worked today so uh you know 
my confidence in the starting five aside, you know, I don't have the same level of confidence in the team's depth, right? Probably the player I have the most confidence in currently projected to make this team as a reserve is Ryan Newsel, your backup center slash guard. You know, I, I kind of see him as like a poor man's Drew Dolman. I just kind of think of the worst version of Drew Dolman last year. And that's probably what Ryan Newsel is going to be at this point. That's kind of what I think of it. And, you know, obviously the Falcons were able to function with Drew Dolman playing at whatever that poor performance was for however many games you think Drew Dolman played poorly last year. Uh, they were still able to function offensively, but you know, I feel like with Newsle, like, yeah, you could probably function offensively with him for, you know, a couple of games, but you know, anything more than that, like, yeah, that's, that's going to be a problem. Right. And then you look beyond Ryan Newsle. It's like, uh, you know, I don't feel great about Kyle Hinton and Josh miles. We'll talk later about Josh miles, but uh, on his podcast, but like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm less confident in those guys than I am in Ryan Newsle. And basically it's the point. Um, and the reality of the situation is we're probably going to see some of the, whoever these backups are, we're probably going to see them this year, right? I've done research, have data going back 30 plus years uh, with the different starting lineups that the Falcons have had on their offensive line, right? But let's just go back 25 years to 1998. Um, you know, that's a nice round number. And, and most of the people listening to the podcast ha- at least, you know, have some awareness of what happened to the Atlanta Falcons in 1998. I don't know how many people are listening that know what happened to the Falcons in 1993, but you know, going back the last 25 years, all right, we've only had three seasons in that 25 year span where the same starting five players started every game on the offensive line, right? So basically, that's telling us up to close to 90% of you know, the time, you know, the at least one backup offensive lineman is going to start at least one game, right? In that 25 year span, if you look at the average number of five man configurations, right, the average has been 3.8 per year. So almost four different configurations of a five man unit. Right now, you know, let's say Ryan Newsel starts three games, one at left guard, center and right guard each. Those are three different configurations of the offensive line. So that's how that's calculated. Now, another thing I've tracked is, you know, how many times did that the unit that started week one, how many games did they start each year on average? And over the 25 years, that's seven point five games. Right. That's little less than half the season. Right. Uh, or a little more than half the season where your your backups, your non week one starters are, are going to start games for you. Now, th- who starts week one isn't always the sort of ideal unit, right? There have been times in the past where, you know, one of your expected projected starters was hurt and missed the week one or so game. But I've also kept track of, you know, looking at the most popular unit, you know, assuming that was their preferred method, which again, is not a safe assumption each and every year. But how many games did that preferred unit uh, that most popular configuration start. And on average, that was about 10 games. So again, roughly 40% of the year, even your most popular unit is not going to play together. So when we talk about Jalen Mayfield, you know, again, I'm glad that the Falcons realize that if, you know, basically what these lessons are is like, you know, you can potentially expect seven to 10 games where your offensive line depth is going to matter each and every season. Right. And, you know, I can understand, I'm glad that the Falcons, now understand that Jalen Mayfield was not going to cut it for those up to seven to 10 games. Right. But I, again, I wouldn't necessarily sit here and think Josh miles, Tyler Vrabel, Kyle Hinton and Ryan Neal's are, I feel better about those guys than I do about Jalen Mayfield, but it doesn't mean I feel good about those guys. So again, you've identified the leak, but now you got to fix it. So, you know, we've been talking on this podcast since the end of May, that swing tackle is probably going to be a position of need to address at the end of the summer. We're now at the end of the summer and it's a position to be. Right. We also spent a lot of that time since then talking about, you know, potentially shoring up our wide receiver core with the Corey Davis at the end of the summer. Uh, but then we all watched Mac Hollins, uh, you know, run that eight yard out route against the, the Bengals. And 
you know, Corey Davis, I think saw it too. And then retired five days later. I don't think that's a coincidence guys. He like, he was basically, I, I can't compete with that. Can't do it. So Corey Davis tangent aside, um, you know, I've said many times on the podcast that when it comes to this current regime run by Terry Fontaine and Arthur Smith, I will hold my applause to the end. Um, and while I haven't agreed with every choice that they've made along the way, I do generally feel good about the direction that this team is going. But feeling good about the direction of this team doesn't get Vita Vea blocked, doesn't get Jeffrey Simmons blocked, doesn't get Daniel Hunter and Brian Burns blocked. Right? You need guys that can block those. And again, that's not an easy task to do. Our starters can barely block those guys. Right. And so finding backups that can also hold their own against those guys is certainly not easy. As I've said many times, there are not 160 good offensive linemen in the league, 160 being, you know, all five starters for all 32 teams. Um, but, you know, that ain't my, pro- you know, it is my problem watching them on Sundays. But you know what I'm saying? Like your job is to fix it. Right. And so that's what needs to be done. And so, you know, we've recognized this as an issue here in terms of the offensive line depth for months. You know, it, when it comes to specifically Jalen Mayfield, we I've recognized it for years uh, that it was an issue. And because you guys are everydayers here and, you know, you agree with everything I say, of course, um, you also recognize that as an issue. And so now as the time has arrived where well, you got to fix it, this issue. Right. And so I don't want to necessarily end today's episode on a negative note. So we'll wrap up by basically saying hopefully later this week when we get to Wednesday, Thursday. Right. I'll be able to come on this podcast and say the Falcons signed this guy or traded for this guy. And, you know, I feel much better about, you know, not just hey, the direction of the team in general is going. Like, I feel like, OK, we we did as good as we could to sort of fix this problem. Right. We plugged the leak and hopefully, you know, a more permanent fix may resolve itself come March or April or whatever. But, you know, over the next six months, we we, we did it as well as we could do. So hopefully that is a conversation that we're having at the end of this week, but we'll sort of have to see the end of today's episode. We'll be talking more about what I saw in the all 22 in the Steelers preseason game. Um, the Falcons versus Steelers <laughs> in case you didn't catch that. Um, you know, as, as much as I want to talk about Nick Herbert, we will not be talking about Nick Herbert on today's episode, but I do want to wrap up today's episode, giving some love um, to some players that I think deserve some love that have not gotten enough love on this podcast. And, you know, coming off of this last preseason game, I thought, stood out uh, that I think deserves some love. And we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons. Now, guys, buying tickets to events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing and start getting hyped for all the fun that you're going to have. I love game time because not only can, when I click on a venue, I can see the view of the event that I'm trying to purchase tickets for from where my seats are going to be purchased at or at uh and it's also easy to find those flash deals and last minute tickets too on their platform you know those flash deals mean that you don't necessarily have to plan months in advance you can get tickets to football basketball baseball concerts comedy and more right up to the day of the event and you'll always get the best price guaranteed if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent the difference snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
So I want to give another shout out to the everydayers here that, uh, you know, listen to this very humble podcast host each and every day. And I want to give you a heads up of what my plans are for the rest of the week. You know, Arthur Smith did say on Sunday after practice that, you know, they weren't intending on making any moves till Tuesday. We'll, we'll hold you at your word, Arthur, because if you mess up, then it's going to completely ruin the podcast for the next week, all my plans uh, for the next couple of days. But that probably means that tomorrow's episode will be able to get one fifty-three, one last 53-man roster projection. That will be the Monday night episode here on YouTube or Tuesday on your preferred audio platform. Then Tuesday night episode on YouTube, Wednesday on your preferred audio platform should be breaking down all those cuts that are made on Tuesday uh, afternoon or morning. Then the following night, Wednesday night, Thursday on your audio platform, uh, hopefully that's when we're singing more positive praises about, hey, look at all these great waiver claims and signings that the Falcons made to shore up their offensive line, shore up other spots on their roster, and that leaves an opportunity potentially for a Friday mailbag or something like that to wrap up the week uh, on Thursday night and or Friday. And, of course, you can send in your questions to be answered on that podcast via Twitter at Locked on Falcons. Leave a comment here on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. Uh, hit me up in the Discord, Locked on Falcons Discord, in the link in the description below, or you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. So, uh, to wrap up today's episode, want to shout out a couple of guys that I took note of watching the all 22 of the Falcon Steeler game that I just don't think have gotten enough love and may not get another opportunity to give them love on this podcast, given, you know, what's on the horizon with final cuts and whatnot. Um, and those three players are Keelan Harris, the wide receiver safety, Lucas Dennis and tackle Josh miles. Um, you know, and Keelan Harris, everydayers know that when we had Matt Waldman of the rookie scouting portfolio on the podcast back in May, you know, he was comparing Keelan favorably to Alameda Zacchaeus and on that recommendation alone, I kind of, I watched him at Oklahoma Baptist and I was like, I like this guy. And, you know, of the literal handful of undrafted free agents that the Falcons brought in this summer, you know, he was one of the guys that was high on my list of guys to keep an eye on heading into camp, but seemingly had a, a pretty quiet camp, but I thought was much louder uh, in this preseason finale against the Steelers, right? He led the team with six catches on eight targets for 71 yards. And I thought he could have probably had a lot more catches than that. Right. I thought he did a, a great job working out of the slot with the starters in this game. You know, J.J. Ortega Whiteside and uh, jo Josh Ali were the other two starters um, on the outside. And I thought Keelan Harris did a really good job finding those soft spots in the zone between the and behind the Steelers linebackers in this game and, and could have had more targets. But unfortunately, a lot of times there was too many breakdowns of pass protection. So the quarterback either didn't see him or had to flee the pocket or all these various things. That led to that, and which again reminds us that you know offensive line play is important. No matter how good you think Mac Hollins is, uh, you know he can't get the ball if the offensive line doesn't protect. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Lucas Dennis. You know, we we saw him make that great interception against the Dolphins in Week One of the preseason. It's been relatively quiet since. I wouldn't even say he was great against the Steelers, but I continue to see the flashes of those center fielding, post safety, uh, single high skills that I kind of like better than any other safety on this roster other than of course jesse Bates. and you know this may sound spicy to some of you but if it was up to me and i was making 53 i'd probably put lucas dennis on my 53 uh obviously it's not up to me uh as much much to my chagrin but you know i feel like in terms of if in the event where jesse Bates had to miss a game or two probably lucas dennis is probably the player i would trust more back there to play sort of that single high post safety role uh, besides Jesse Bates, I, I kind of think he brings a lot more to the table there than either Richie Grant or Jalen Hawkins does uh, in that specific role. So, you know, I, you know, I haven't finalized it yet, but as we're recording this on Sunday, like 
I don't plan on putting him on my 53-man roster projections, so I did want to give him some love today and, you know, hope that, you know, should he wind up going uh, elsewhere, you know, um, you know, that if he winds up becoming good elsewhere, then they'll be like, hey, you know, you heard it here first on this illustrious podcast. So we've talked a lot about the offensive line. Let's talk a little bit more, and let's talk about Josh Miles, right? I think another decent game for Josh Miles, you know, decent, I stress decent, Right. I think he, along with Ryan Newsom and Kyle Hinton, have been the guys that have been most consistently decent uh, in, in the games this preseason. And as I said earlier, like, you know, um, they would be the three primary backups that if the Falcons were going to keep eight guys on their roster this year, solely made up of guys currently on the team today. You know, I think Miles has played his way into that top eight. Right. The five starters plus the three backups with Newsom and Hinton being the other two backups. Now, I don't fully trust Josh Miles to be the swing tackle this year, um, you know, but like I've seen enough from Josh Miles in the preseason that I get why if you go back to a conversation that we had somewhere at some point in the offseason when talking about, you know, why did the Falcons cut Jermaine Effetti, you know, and they gave Josh Miles a lot more guaranteed money than they gave Jermaine Effetti, despite Jermaine Effetti having a, a much more quote unquote proven track record as an NFL offensive tackle. And it's because I think the team saw something in Josh Miles. And basically what I'm saying is like, I, I see a little bit of something. I, see, I get what they saw in him watching him. Cause he's a little reminiscent of Matt Gano, right? I don't think he's quite the athlete that Gano was, um, but I don't think it's too far a step back for him. And to borrow a phrase from, I think Dan Quinn and company, you know, they, they used to talk about plan D the D standing for development, which is sort of them stashing a player on the practice squad. And then, you know, hoping to get a year's development and seeing where he is a year from now. I, I could see a similar strategy for, or for I'm not Gano, Miles, uh, where he's on the practice squad or potentially the ninth offensive lineman on the roster. Again, the ninth, I stress the ninth because the eighth would mean that he would be the swing tackle and active on game days. You only typically activate eight offensive linemen unless there's a major injury or something like that. But, um, you know, that's what I kind of see, you know, in Josh Miles. I, I could, you know, and and when we talk about Matt Gano, he had a special place on this in the hearts of this podcast, right? Because um, there was a time, you know, about four ish years ago, three, yeah, three to four years ago, um, where we had visions of you know potentially Matt Gano being a, a pretty solid insurance policy um, in the event that you know that first round pick and, and Caleb McGarry doesn't develop the way that we want him to develop, and there was also a potential option where you know if Jake Matthews sort of took a sudden downturn in performance in the near future that Matt Gano would be a pretty decent heir apparent to Jake Matthews at that position. Now, fortunately, you know, McGarry did develop and we haven't seen any drop off from Jake Matthews at, up to this point. Unfortunately, that didn't necessarily go um, Matt Gano's way due to in a sort of a career ending neck injury. Um, but, you know, when we're talking swing tackles, you know, I think we probably need to go outside of the current roster to, to get us through 2023 season. But I could certainly, basically what I'm saying is I could certainly imagine a scenario. Uh, we'll see if we get there it, when we get to 2024, where Josh miles with that growth, with that development could potentially take over as that swing tackle next year. And, and we could feel pretty good about that. So we'll see if that happens for Josh miles, but I wanted to give those guys some love on today's episode because I don't know how many more opportunities I'll get to talk about them because you know, I, again, I haven't finalized it, but um, right now, as I'm recording this, I will not expect either Harris or, or Dennis to be on the practice squad or the roster. Uh, and so, 
won't have too many opportunities to potentially talk about them in the future. And while I do think there's a much higher probability that Josh Miles sticks either on the roster or the practice squad, probably, probably the practice squad, you know, my hope is that we won't have to talk about Josh Miles <laughs> at any point this year, because that means that either Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry were healthy and played well, and or the Falcons were able to find that, you know, capable swing tackle so that we never have to talk about Josh Miles, at least in 2023. That, hopefully that's a 2024 conversation, uh, if anything. So we'll see how that all plays out, guys. But tomorrow we'll break down sort of my 53-man roster, my, my final 53-man roster, initial roster prediction is, is the way to turn it, the final projection of what the initial 53 man roster will look like. So that's on uh, in store for tomorrow's episode. So continue to make us your first listen. In the meantime, of course you should check out the locked on NFL podcast for your second listen uh, to get the scoop on the other 31 NFL teams and their preseason finale action. Uh, you can find it all on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day.